0: Lord, we come to you humbly, believing and knowing that your word speaks, God. Believing and knowing that by your spirit you will make things known through your word. So we ask humbly, God, speak. And may we listen. May we not just hear, but may we live according to your word. Use your servant. I'm here, God, and I'm willing. And I wanna be used by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, like I said, I'm all the feels. I got this cool pleasure of leading worship with you, and I just wanna encourage you, the worship doesn't stop just because the music does, right? This is a time to worship through thoughtfulness, through consideration of your own life, through saying, what is God saying, and how do I live it out? Anyway, we're on that question, what makes a strong foundation? And I can't help but go back to my... um, my heritage, really. My dad is a builder by trade. He's a, he's a construction, a general contractor. And so I grew up sometimes on construction sites doing things and um, busting things up and building things and heck, we just even finished building my house that I get to live in now, thanks dad. Um, a huge privilege and blessing, truly. Uh, to be raised and taught how to work with my hands and to see it happen. and There's there's few things so satisfying as building something up and seeing it happen right before your eyes, right? And if you, if you haven't had the pleasure of doing something like that, everyone has a version of it. You don't have to be a builder. Maybe you're a Legos person. That's okay. <laughs> maybe you're linking logs. Maybe, maybe it's concepts. Maybe it's a team. Maybe it's people. But we all have our chance to join the creator in creating. That's a gift he gave us, is building something, creating. But what makes a strong foundation, going back to my earlier days, I remember distinctly a particular job, I went with my dad and we had to demolish a house and then build a brand new one. And I remember being, I don't know, like 11 or 12, and I had a sledgehammer, and I was ready to just pound this concrete. I love demo days, they're the best, you know? Just get to wreck everything. Um, Reckless abandon, usually come out with cuts and bruises and scrapes because you were way too reckless. Anyway, I go in there, I get my hammer ready, I raise it high, and I slam that sucker down, and it bounces right back. (laughs) And I'm like, whoa, what is this? What's going on? Well, i have broken up concrete before, but this was not normal concrete. And if you don't know, and this ever happens, just stop. <laughs> it probably means there's rebar in the concrete. And if you've busted up concrete with rebar, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And there's another term for it. It's called reinforced, right? It's extra strong. You try to bust that sucker up, and you're just gonna be bouncing off for like days. Um, anyway, that's kind of what I'm talking about. I wanna get laser in. I'm, I'm, the word is talking about in chapter seven with Matthew. I think there are things there, ingredients, components, to what makes a strong foundation, and that's what I wanna talk about. There are things, right? There are things you can add to what your foundation has that make it stronger, like the rebar. And there are things that make it weaker, right? So we wanna know what makes it stronger, and hopefully we can take that with us. Well, what are these ingredients or components? One I wanna point out to you today It's humility, and if you wanna open your Bible to Matthew chapter seven, if you haven't already, um, I'm not gonna read every verse, but I wanna speak through it because I think there are some things we have to learn about humility. You want a strong foundation for your faith, for your life, you wanna teach your children, you wanna uh, implement it yourself, I think humility is something that the word of God teaches us. It's so key to a strong and firm foundation. And we have these examples, first in verse one, talking about judgment. There's this tendency that humans have to look at others and see what's wrong with them, but not what's wrong with me, right? And I've done this way too many times, more than I can count. A tendency to have a judgmental attitude, one where we think, um, because we magnify the mistakes or the issues in the other, that we're better, and everyone, including myself, loves to, I think, be tempted, there we go, sorry, lots of moving parts today. We, uh, I think we minimize how we can be this person. We minimize, and we think, no, that's the other person just committing the same issue, right, committing the same problem, instead of looking and saying, we all got flaws, we all have them. We're all people with issues. See, all flawed. (laughs) But that's okay. We're gonna make it. We're gonna be fine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What else do we have to learn about humility? Well, we see in verse... Let's see, seven, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. If you ask for help, if you're asking for something, you're admitting you have a need, and that requires that you show weakness, that you admit that you don't have what you need, that you're missing something, And I believe that that is a part of humility that we need to remain firm in our faith, is being willing to admit that we don't have it all figured out, and that we need help from each other, from the Lord. And then we have one of the most quoted verses of many in the Sermon on the Mount, and that is the golden rule, which is to treat others as you wish to be treated. And this speaks to humility in this way. Humility at its best is not thinking of yourself. It's flipping the script. It's putting what you want behind what the other person needs. And even to the extreme, taking that completely and and just making it what does this person need, not what I need. I think that is a key part of humility. Another building block to a strong and firm foundation is authenticity or integrity. The best way I'd ever heard integrity explained was that something is simply the same throughout. It's always the same. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for a foundation? It means there's nothing extra or different in a different part of its life, right, or its substance. And for us, integrity means being the same wherever we go being of the same character, of the same attitude, of the same actions, not putting on a face, right? Not putting on a facade, not acting different around this person or that person, but being the same. What does chapter seven have to say about this? Well, we come to a verse that speaks about the broad and the narrow road, an incredibly famous verse again. And we have this picture Of an incredibly wide road where a huge crowd is just traveling, almost like a herd, right? Like, imagine just a, like if you've ever been to stadiums or concerts and you're just caught in the flow and you can't go against it. You're just like, whatever, the exit this way is fine because that's where everyone else is kind of going. Imagine that. And then you have this other road, this narrow path, and there's very few people on it. Very few. They're not even like bunched together just going that direction. And what this speaks to, authenticity, integrity, is this. That if you want a firm foundation, you want to remain and have integrity and be authentic, you have to be willing to go against the crowd. And we know nowadays that that doesn't just mean the secular world or people out there, it's even in the church. We are to be unified, but unity doesn't require that we compromise, and that's a tough line to walk. I'm not saying there's an answer. That's a whole nother sermon in itself, but what I am saying is there are people who are saying we're followers of Jesus, and they're abandoning the word, and they're choosing and declaring things to be truth that are contrary to scripture, and we can't compromise God's word. Otherwise, we are hopeless. And in that same vein, I, I, there's more in here to speak to that which is the story of the false prophets. In Jesus, he talks about this. He says, beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. I think it's easy to Minimize this verse to saying, oh, there's some charlatans in the church. And I think you look and spend some time seeing, you can see there are people who claim to be Christians who are using others. I'm talking more on the big stage. You've probably heard their names. I'm not gonna call out any in specific. But there are people that wanna use the gospel, use the church as a place to take advantage of others, unfortunately. And it could be easy to make this about someone else, right? Just like we talked about at the beginning with humility. Oh, it's, they need some humility, but I'm fine, I'm good. But how did they get there? These people who are deceiving others, how did they get there? Well, that leads us in the next point. There's the scariest words in the Bible, as Logan said to me when we read this. Uh, Many will say to me in verse 22, On that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles and then I will declare to them, Jesus saying this, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Woo. In other words, they looked the part, they looked like they were doing everything right that a Christian should do, a follower of Jesus should do and yet when they stood before Jesus, he told them, I don't know you and I never knew you. That's terrifying. Somewhere along the way, it seems these people began to deceive themselves. Maybe they sat in the presence of Jesus, metaphorically speaking. They sat in the pews. They they heard the words and they thought, oh, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. And they started doing. Because obviously they're doing. Somewhere along the way, they missed it. Somewhere along the way, even though they heard all the right things, they miss what makes their salvation. And this kinda brings me to the point I wanna make today. Humility and authenticity are great. They're truthful, they are a part of the scriptures, they are, I believe, so vital to a strong and firm foundation but they are just principles, aren't they? I think there's something further in the scriptures that we need to enlighten this, to bring this into the fullness of what we need to hear, and that is verse 24. It says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It can be so easy to make our faith a list of ingredients, to make it about a, if I just add this or that, if I'm just a little wiser, if I'm just more time in the word, if I'm just spending more time praying, it can be so much about what we do that we forget about what God has done. Let me ask you something, what is the rock? What is the rock? The rock is not something that we do. The foundation of your faith is not a list of to do's and to don'ts, it's Jesus himself. Jesus Christ is the rock. And I find myself tempted so often to make it about the things instead about him because the truth of the scripture is not that we can do anything, it's that the he has done it all. And it's not even about how big our faith is or how big or how well we do it, we just saw that. There are people who will be rejected even though they cast out demons, even though they do great things because they miss who their foundation is. It doesn't matter what kind of house you build on the foundation. If the foundation fails, it's worth nothing. And that is the point. That we don't have to search for the rock. We don't have to wonder where it is. We don't have to figure out and wonder. I don't have to think, how can I be a hero for my daughters? I'm not gonna be a hero. I'm gonna point to the hero, that's Jesus Christ. I can't be a foundation for my kids. I gotta point them to the foundation that is Jesus Christ because I'm flawed, because I'm helpless, because I need him as much as they do. So at this time, grads, would you come up? I know you're probably like, oh, no, shy, come on up. I'm gonna give the three points, and if you were in the video, it doesn't matter if you were a grad and we didn't, weren't able to get you on, just come up, please. Go ahead and stand up, I'm gonna move this podium. Go ahead and like line up as best you can. Oh shoot, I'm like totally blocked out here. What's up guys? I might not have enough actually. There's a few, no, maybe, maybe. So I got here a a box of rocks. I'm a great gift giver, like really good. Like, Like super good. Guys, it's just a rock. It's nothing special but it's not about what it is, it's about who it represents. And as you go on in your life, and and we're gonna talk about these next three things, the one thing that your parents want you to know is to take Christ with you. Take him into your new life, build upon him. There are a lot of great things I'm sure your parents have taught you and you're gonna take with you, and then there's also the mess that comes with being raised, right? It's not perfect and parents aren't perfect. But if there's one thing you take with you, take Jesus with you. Live for him. So I'm gonna hand these out. In fact, would you just hand it down, take one. And maybe you'll throw this rock as soon as you walk out the door. But maybe you won't forget this moment. Maybe you will take that rock with you and look at it every so often and think about what's going on in your life and remember these next three points. Number 1 The storms will come. In the story of the man who is wise and the man who is foolish, both built something and the storm came no matter what. There's going to be storms in your life. There're going to be struggles. They're going to test you who you are and what you've built. And sometimes what you built will fall. And that's okay. As long as your foundation is there. And maybe, and maybe, you find that you've wandered a bit. Maybe you find that your house isn't built firmly on the foundation. That's okay, abandon the structure and go back to the rock, okay? Number two, build. So often, we can be convinced and, and, and grateful and accepting salvation through Christ and what he's done on the cross that we forget that we're called to action. Just because we receive this free gift that Christ has done it all doesn't mean we're not not to do something with it. But it does mean that we are to rely on what he has done on the cross for us and how he has made a way for us to be in relationship with God, free from sin. And so I say to you, build, build your life and remember that it's okay to work hard, to be action focused. Just remember to be outcome surrendered. Remember that the house that you built, it must be on the rock, the rock is the value. The rock, the salvation is secure in Christ, okay? And number three, build on the rock, but don't cover it up. Just because we have so many opportunities in front of you, so many things that you can do, so many incredible things that you could chase after, Don't get lost in building this house. Stay close to the rock, okay? The house is great, but like we said, the house is meaningless without a firm foundation. Would you guys join me in putting out your hands and praying for our grads? We're gonna pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, King of kings and Lord of lords, King Jesus, we just thank you, God, that we don't have to search high and far and wide to know that you are the firm foundation. You have made yourself known. I pray for these grads and I pray for all of us, God, that we would not forget who the rock is. That when we struggle inevitably, when we fail, when we wander, when we do things and get lost in what we're doing, that you would remind us who you are and what you've done for us and that we can come home. Help us to build. Help us to work hard. Help us to live out the kingdom work. But help us not to forget the king. We pray for these grads. We pray for ourselves. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.